Hello and good day, beautiful podcast family. I hope that wherever you are on this planet that you're doing amazing and I'm sending you all of my love, well wishes, good vibes, positive intents and prayers your way to you, your family, your friends, wishing you all the best. We've got a phenomenal episode of the show for you today. We have Dr. Stephen Farmer on and we're talking about spirit animals, shamanism and healing. Uh, Dr. Farmer is a very interesting individual. He is a, a psychotherapist. He's a best-selling author. He's created oracle cards and in this episode we dive deep on a lot of different um, topics. We talk about Celtic shamanism, spirit animals, uh, using cards for uh, divination, connecting with spirit energies, the miracle of life, nature speak, the orchestra of nature, uh, breath patterns, working with ancestors, and so much more. So I know you're going to enjoy this show, and if you do, please share it as far and as wide as you can. If you want to support this show, you can go to mapbelair.com, and you can become a member by donation because Patreon is now deleted. So if you want to do that, that would be appreciated. And uh, if you just want to join the membership for free, you can hit me up an email, uh, matt at zenathlete.com. Uh, but the best way to support the show, as always, is to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. And also reviews on iTunes are incredibly helpful. Um, for those of you guys who are looking for a clear path to your purpose, and you want to learn how to integrate it into your way of being, and you want to learn how to deliberately architect your life from your highest values as this world gets more and more chaotic, um, hit me up at matt at zenathlete.com. You can check out the Soul Compass course, the Quantum Heart Hypnosis, uh, a mastermind or one-on-one -on -one coaching. All of the stuff that I've created and work with people on is really designed on being your authentic self, living from your heart and your highest purpose, and then how to architect that into reality using all the tools of mindset, peak performance, spirituality, affirmations, and anything uh, esoteric and spiritual uh, out there to really manifest that reality in an authentic way. So if that's interesting to you, just hit me up, mattbelair.com forward slash coaching or send me an email matt at zenathlete.com or and you can even check out the zen athlete book i always forget to tell people about that but uh it's a peak performance uh book and also a program as well that can really help you just achieve what you want so it could be a zen athlete it could be zen art zen entrepreneurship but all awesome stuff so that's it uh thank you so much for joining me today let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we dive in wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing taking a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, enthusiasm, faith, courage, inner knowing, peace, power. And get ready to enjoy this amazing episode with Dr. Stephen Farmer. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matthew Belair. As you know, we're currently overcoming massive censorship. So if you want to support this show, please uh, share episodes far and wide. Leave a review on iTunes. Share with your friends or wherever you can. You can go to mapbelair.com and become a member where all the episodes are backed up. There's some exclusive content. You can download the episodes to your iPhone, share, do whatever you want to do. Um, but the best thing that you can do is to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. Today's guest is a licensed psychotherapist, ordained minister, and former college professor with three collegiate degrees. He is a soul healer and author of several best-selling books and oracle cards. He recently released his new book called Animals, Personal Tales of Encounters with Spirit Animals and the Oracle Cards Shaman's Path. Welcome to the show, Dr. Stephen Farmer. Oh, thank you, Matt. I look forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, this is going to be good. We having a nice chat before we we dove in here. And, you know, when I began to look at your work, it's uh, it's very deep. You know, I didn't even, you know, I, I learned one thing and then another thing, like your former 
college professor. Um, you know, you, you're a psychotherapist. You've kind of gone a little bit into shamanism. So you're, you're all over the place. You have a vast history and a vast knowledge. So I'd love for you to just share a little bit about your background and, and you know, what led you to reading these books and how, you, how your uh, story evolved. Uh, sure, Matt. Uh, as a uh, shamanic practitioner and a licensed therapist, it's very interesting in my practice when I work I do think I work with people one to one. I have a mentorship program. I do uh, workshops online, etc. Actually, we're going to have some in-person workshops coming up in the desert. Uh, Joshua Tree uh, got my me and a colleague are doing a, a actual people where people move around and are three dimensional. Remember that? <laughs> Not it so really much does. over here in Canada. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> and then. Uh, you know, beyond that, Sedona's coming up too with the gathering of shamans. But uh, people can go to my website, you know, Dr. Dr. drstephenbarmer.com to find out that information. In, uh, in answer to your question, in response to your question, I'll try to keep it fairly condensed uh, because uh, uh, lengthy experiences. But basically, um, I moved, I had a very successful psychotherapy practice for many, many years. And then um, I started feeling that restless feeling, you know, like so, there's something else, you know, like uh, just around the corner. I didn't know what it was quite. But then one thing led to another. I was introduced to shamanism uh, through a book called Way of the Shaman by Michael Harner, who is, I think he's the guy that brought shamanism into contemporary culture. Um, so I did a two-day course, and he was the teacher along with his assistant, and I came out, it blew me away. You know, it was one of those things I said, okay, I, it's sad, I could tell this was going to satisfy a deep hunger, you know, the, the calling. And I believe that's what happens, Matt, is that we're called to do these things, whatever our particular purpose or mission is. And it's just a matter of being awake enough to heed the call. And then second part is, well, then, you know, go for it. So I gobbled up, I asked Michael, and I said, what do I do next? What do I do next? I did a training. I did training after training, Celtic shamanism. Uh, there's been a real revival in the last 30 years of shamanic practices and uh, principles because it's earth oriented. It's like, it's down to earth, you know, and I'm a triple earth sign astrologically, and I'm from Iowa, the Midwest. And my name is Farmer. How's that? You think? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and all this is coming from a licensed psychotherapist, which makes it the, the best part of all of it. Yeah, yeah. I love my work. I feel very blessed. I feel grateful for my work. And and I I followed the calling. I followed the call. I did a lot of training. Anyway, so I did publish um, some books as a therapist. In fact, one that's been uh, revised and um, renewed is my very, very first book. And it's one of the first books on trauma and trauma recovery. Now we're hearing a lot about that, you know, and thankfully, because I think it, it provides a lot of answers. Anyway, so uh, I didn't publish anything for many years, took the course, did a lot of training in shamanic, uh, shamanism, shamanic practice, and, you know, really retired my regular therapy practice to the point where I went into shamanic healing as a, as a shamanic practitioner. I don't pretend to be a shaman. That's a, that's a, that's a bigger door to walk through, so to speak, and requires, I think, several years typically of training, uh, but also steeped in a particular indigenous tradition, typically. So as a practitioner, I have no problem with that, shamanic practitioner. And one thing led to another, and I started writing again in my PhD. My doctoral thesis was actually, uh, I 
turned it into my first book in this genre. It's called Sacred Ceremony. And again, people can check that out on my website. And then I went on to write Power Animals uh, Oracle cards, which are kind of like tarot, but they're user-friendly. Uh, I now have five decks of those and another one on the way. And these are like easy, uh, easy to use tools for divination, you know, for getting messages. Anyway, so it has moved uh, to the point now where um, this book, I'm going to just flash it real quick and tell you a little about the book. It's, as you, as you noted, uh, Matt, animals, you know, personal tales of encounters with spirit animals, not animals, yes, but spirit animals, you know, another layer. And it's part of a series, too. The publisher, uh, Sacred Stories, uh, Ariel, came up with this idea of doing a series of books on different themes with personal tales. So in this con in this series, Matt, um, so interesting. It's a great concept, and, it, and it's working. It's The books are coming out there. This is My book was the first one to come out. The unique, uh, so anyway, there's one on angels, uh, sound. I just talked to a fellow, he's doing one on sound. Uh, uh, what else? Ancestors and, you know, a few more like that, that I think are really valuable and people are drawn to different ones for different reasons. So um, the unique part of this book is I'm really not technically the author, you know, I'm the featured author because I have contributed to the book and I've got the name, you know, a lot of recognition, you know, in this kind of broader field. But the really cool part of this, Matt, is that other people have contributed stories of their um, encounters, their, their um, experiences with spirit animals. And I've got, let's see, I think four other, four other, four or five other publications. I have to stop and think about it, which take up time, but that have to do with power animals, totem animals, spirit animals, specifically spirit animals. And, you know, what that means, how to contact that, how to receive messages, um, how to work with spirit animals, et cetera, et cetera. So there's some real gems of stories in here. And so it's not just me talking about it or writing about it. You know, it's a number of people that I think 27 stories in here that, um, for instance, my daughter and my granddaughter, her, her daughter, they read a story a night as a bedtime tale. Isn't that cool? <laughs> anyway, so that's, that's kind of the gist of it, Matt, is uh, that led me to have this interview with you. So, and again, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, you you got a lot of good energy. I like your energy. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that. And, you know, you, you covered a lot of big topics there, like, you know, the idea of uh, divination or shamanic practicing and shamanism. So there's a lot of things that we can dive into. And, um, you know, one of the things I, I'd love for you to speak on is just the idea of either, you know, divination and the oracle cards and spirit animals, the, these concepts. So one of the things that I used to do for snowboarding and even like my training, it worked into animals and things like that, where, you know, let's say we wanted a, a person to have a, a certain state of being. If they thought of themselves as a pro snowboarder or a pro athlete that already had those states of being, they could install them easily. It like um, acts as a um, catalyst to inspire, you know, new information, new knowledge. And I'm curious if that's the inspiration of all those cards and how you use them in the divination and how you could go into spirit animals. Because I, I worked a little bit with that for a while where I'd take people through guided meditation and we would imagine these different things or we would just bring up an animal and see if we could connect with its essence and then you know 
take that in, right? Because let's say you feel like you're not strong and you're afraid, right? Like, I'm always afraid. I'm always anxious. Like, okay, let's go into a meditation. Now imagine you are a grizzly bear. You're the biggest, baddest grizzly bear there ever yeah. was. Yeah. You know, do you feel any type of fear? Like, no. But all that is is an emotional state of being, which you can encode in the body. So I'd love to hear your perspective on those ideas. Well, that's uh, brilliant. I, what you've just described is brilliant. I'm glad you're doing that sort of thing because, um, I, gosh, where to start? Um, first off, I, like I said, um, it was out of my shamanic training that really prompted me to start writing. My intention was very clear. It's to, to take aspects, principles, etc., that are common in any sh shamanic work throughout the world that um, are in common, but take them and move them over a little bit towards the middle, <laughs> you know, so that they're accessible. Example, the first book, Sacred Ceremony. You know, it's, it's intention, the book's intention was to describe ceremonies for seasonal transitions, full moon, uh, new moon, uh, trans, uh, rites of passage, you know, through various eras that we have in our lives, etc. And yeah, it has something to do with shamanism. It's connected because that's a large part of shamanism is sacred rituals and sacred ceremonies. Then what came up was, well, what about spirit animals? You know, that's, that's something that's a, a given with any kind of shamanic work. But maybe there'd be more people, well, as it turned out, there are, you know, in retrospect, that a lot of people might be interested in that without ever having a clue or an interest in shamanism, you know, and that's, that's what started the ball rolling with um, teaching and working with spirit animals. And um, I got to tell you, I, I really want to encourage, and that's part of my mission, if you will, is to encourage people to see animals in a different way and to understand animals, like what you described, that meditation of, okay, imagine you're a grizzly bear. Well, in a sense, you're calling on grizzly bear or the spirit, you know, that of that, that particular species. So um, you actually are working in a sense with a spirit animal. You know, there's no bear around. The physical bear is not there, but there, you called it an essence. I like that, that essence of bear that, that the person imagines themselves to be. So they, they feel strong and they're able to conquer their fear, you know, and move through things much more readily. So, a question that comes up naturally, Matt, is, okay, how do you tell if an animal is, you know, a spirit animal? And here's the deal. Uh, when an animal shows up to you, the physical animal or a symbol of that animal, like a dream, you know, or on a poster or something like that, when an animal shows up in an unusual way or repeatedly, there's something pretty big going on. And there's different ways to describe it, but basically, that animal has been set by great spirit or God or source or, you know, whatever you want to call that force. Use the force, Luke. We'll call it the force. It doesn't matter what you call it, but we'll, I'll call it great spirit or God. It's like spirit is trying to reach you in this collaborative effort to deliver a message to you. And that's a pretty big deal. Our ancestors long ago ancestors, not mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, but our elders, you know, of the ancestor world to which we're connected. Indigenous people, this is a given. 
you know, our long ago ancestors, you know, operated with a very real sense of the world being alive, that we're not, we're not the biggest deal on, on the planet, even though we tend to think we are as humans, <laughs> that we are interconnected. And that's all philosophical, but the experience of the interconnection, it's a good way to start is to think about that connection, that tree out there. Yeah, it's a tree. It also has a spirit or an essence. And not only that, but that tree can be a representative of that particular species or specifically an oak tree or a maple tree or whatever it may be. Um, I want that to make sense. So let me talk to address it about animals, Matt, and then um, I'll pause <laughs> with animals um, because they're all around us you know, both as uh, ones that we're stewarding, you know, taking care of or uh, keeping as pets. But uh, beyond that, there's wild animals all around, birds. You know, how, you walk out the door, you probably like to encounter a bird within a few minutes. Uh, you might have a big dream about, let's say, fox or a fox. Uh, you might find that there is around here in Southern California where I'm, I'm living, uh, crows. Um, I had an owl, owl, there was a period a while back, uh, I think it was around summertime of last year, where I started hearing an owl. And I live in a fairly suburban neighborhood, you know, I don't live out in the woods. You know, I would like to sometimes, but I don't live out in the woods. Um, I start singing back and forth with this owl. And not only was I singing with the owl, but that owl came to me as a representative of the spirit of all owls, or you could say the collective consciousness of all owls. So I'll say more about that later. Well, how do you figure out what the message is? But the idea there is basic. It's when an animal shows up in an unusual way and or repeatedly, whether physically or symbolically, that's a pretty big deal that's going on. And just like our ancestors long ago and indigenous people today, we're going to perceive a message from that collaborative effort of spirit bringing that animal to me in some way to say, hey, Stephen, pay attention here. You know, there's something I want to tell you. And animals are much more, uh, much more readily accessible in that way. Well, I love all that. What it reminds me of is the idea of the indigenous teachers just talking about all the relations, right? Everything being alive, everything having spirit, everything having essence, you know, and I'm sure you learned that in the Celtic traditions too, is getting back to the earth and nature where we're moving more towards a, a simulated reality. You know, I just did a podcast as I'm uh, Benjamin Balderson's show and he's a, you know, calls himself a heathen or, you know, goes with that philosophy, but it's kind of very interesting. It's very to the ground and very connected to all things around. And, you know, we're very distressed. Distracted. You could have basically lions going down the street, but when you're watching football full blast or the movie and you're so, you know, engrossed in it, you're not even going to be, you know, connected to the nature outside. Well, meanwhile, if you're in like the Sahara desert, right, you would be, or wherever, I don't know, in the Sahara or, or Africa or something where there's lions and all kinds of things, you need to be super alert and you're aware of all the sounds, the wind. And I've done things like uh, night running. And that was one of the recommendations from one of my elders. And I'd go through and I'd run through the forest at night and I couldn't see every, for whatever reason, every time I moved to a new location, it 
it would be uh, there'd be no moon. So it would be so dark and it'd be so terrifying. I couldn't see even my hand in front of me sometimes. And what would happen is my ears would just basically perk up and I could hear everything going on in the forest. And somehow I didn't trip. It was, it was kind of extraordinary just to, you know, be immersed in that and, and to have all of my senses fired up. You know, and, and so we want to yeah. kind of en- engage in the senses, but engage in the essence of all of life and how it's always commuting, communicating with us, because it's either it seems to me and I'd be curious your your thought life is either a always communicating to us something when we're conscious, when we're present, when we're aware or it never is. And so when we learn to communicate with life and see everything as uh, living, as interconnected, as a part of it, it's going to be a more empowering state of being. And I'd just be curious how we learn or, you know, with all the things that you've learned, how do we use those tools to empower ourselves in daily life? Let's say to overcome a trauma, overcome a limiting belief, or to like maybe move towards like a creation idea of something we want to, you know, put forth or create in our life. Well, it's, um, this is a way of, I like your story too, of walking out at night. I had that experience in Australia one time, complete darkness, you know, and trying to, me and some, uh, shall we say some blokes that I was with a couple of guys, uh, winding, trying to find the car back, you know, from where we were. It was very interesting. Like you said, your other senses go, okay, we got to pay attention. You can't see a friggin' thing. So we tune up the hearing and the sensations in our body, you know, as to asking, not asking, but relying on those much more. And the guidance, I think, is much needed now. You know, it's needless to say, you know, the, the things are just crazy right now. You know, I sometimes I've been jokingly say the the uh, inmates are running, uh, running the asylum, you know, and here we are. <laughs> Uh, like the convoy you mentioned, I think that's great that things like that are happening, that people are gathering together to address this situation. Um, that sound that you hear is my dog. I'm going to go let him in real quick here. <laughs> All right, pup, come on in. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> he left a while ago. That's one of our two dogs, uh, 18-month-old Scout who's a real punk dog, <laughs> but he's cool. <laughs> anyway, so um, Matt, I think that with all the turmoil that's occurring in the world, and I don't know if there's been a period in the last few centuries or even beyond that where there hasn't been some kind of turmoil, but this is really big. This is really big. Um, and people are afraid, you know, and that fear, we are in animal bodies, first off. And what my take on this is, is there's something called the collective consciousness. And we may not be aware of the waves of anxiety and fear, but we feel them. You know, we may attribute, and then we look for attribution. Okay, what's creating this fear? And uh, there's a big, bad, evil enemy out there right now, you know, the pandemic. And so what that has done, and also climate change, you know, uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie, Don't Look Up, but a great movie. Uh, disturbing, but a great movie. Um, so there's a lot of that anxiety that um, I think pretty much everyone feels. And we're in an animal body. So what does an animal do when it's in fear? Even if, And especially if there's a fear and you can't see or know the predator or what's been labeled the predator. So our instinct takes over, you know, we do one of two things, you know, when we're in fear, 
and this comes from a lot of this is about trauma also but not so much about trauma but just what's going on in the collective right now and um that fear can be dealt with in a couple of different ways and that is to withdraw try to get out of it get away from it escape or fight your way out of it and um if you can't do either if you can't escape and fighting does no good guess what happens instinctively we're we're monkey bodies we collapse and I've been aware of that, you know, I see it myself as well to some degree, but just in observing, let's say going to the supermarket and some people like will smile at you, but it's rare. It's like everybody's kind of encased right now, you know, in that bubble. You know what I mean? I don't know if you've. Yeah, yeah. Yourself, and and the, with the with the fear, I think that's a huge thing, too, because there's fight uh, flight. But then I think there's a third one that's been added, which makes sense. And I've observed it. It's freeze. People just freeze yeah. up. And the difference with animals, when they get afraid, there's a video on the online that I, I watched when one of my friends was discussing this. And he says, you know, an animal, when they're in fight or flight or freeze, they're going to go through and it shows this bear fighting. And then a few minutes later, you see this powerful shake. And that's his central nervous system in his body turning back on and just shaking out all of that super intense energy yes. and emotion that was going on same with you know deers will have their own process once they're safe they'll they'll come back down but what exactly. humans do is they hold it perpetually and that's where all of these things coming from the outer world which is constant fear you know fear you're gonna you know die of this uh, invisible enemy fear you're gonna die from you know the climate change fear you're gonna die from an asteroid um but when we look at all of existence and, and all of uh, eternity we've always been uh, subject to the creator or life itself. When, when we're supposed to die, we're going to die. So I think we need to remove that fear. And those are always projected to us by outside sources. You know, I was like, oh, you're going to die of this. You're going to die of that. Well, you go back a few centuries and you got the Braveheart one. That's way more intense. And then you've got, uh, you know, uh, you know, samurais and all these different cultures where, you know, intense war existed. But I, I think that we probably live our lives in more fear now than they did that day from these projected, you know, almost parasites from TV and media and uh, systems that want to basically shut down that central nervous system so you don't create you don't live freely you're not responding to a situation with power yeah you know I, I want to go back to what you said about the shaking the bear shaking and and um that is part of i did uh, an amazing training in something called somatic experiencing or i call it somatic therapy basically but uh three-year training and just everything made sense about trauma and what's going on and that is that the body does freeze up when threatened you know, we, and it's preparation, you know, it's not really a freeze yet, but it's a preparation. You know, there's a sound and everything gets quiet inside me so that I can tune into that sound. It's instinctive. But what happens again, if you can't escape and you can't fight your way out and what you said about freeze is that's what happens is there's an energy that freezes in the body and with repeated, uh, traumatic, um, experiences especially in childhood when we're vulnerable those freeze stays in the body i think it's fascinating because so trauma to heal it you start with the body you know there's other there's there's great stuff coming out right now about recovering from trauma and we're veering a little bit from spirit animals but that's okay it's fascinating to me this is an aspect of of my work also is working with uh, trauma recovery 
And so once we identify the frozen part, there's ways, there's methodologies that help you unfreeze it gradually. You don't want to do it like all of a sudden, like animals do. Animals instinctively, they just shake it off. Like you said, that was, that was great, great comment. But we want to do it. Uh, there's other meth there's other things that need to be uh, present for someone to recover from trauma support systems uh, friends uh, therapists uh, groups etc like that that will provide the support uh, I recommend creative expression you know as one way to really start healing dance the dance of that trauma you know write a song write a poem you know about the suffering and the recovery but you know there's things like that so another element of it, though, and I think this is where it comes back to spirit animals and uh, the spirits of nature, really, but specifically spirit animals, is that by learning to be attuned to those animals, which show up in an unusual way or repeatedly over a short space of time, and also to um, have that point of view, just experiment with it. And I invite people to do that. Put your beliefs and disbeliefs aside and try this out. When, uh, let's say, uh, owl, that's a good example, like when we were singing back and forth to each other, yes, there was a message very distinct with that, that I heard right away. And when I say heard, I mean in my inner voice. And I believe it was owl spirit that was teaching me this through the behavior. Um, I've played guitar, I, I sing, I play didgeridoo, I play flute. Uh, I've written songs, etc. You know, so music is an essential part of my my makeup and what I do. I find it very healing and very uh, very helpful and fun too. Owl's message first off was, Stephen, sing. Get back to singing. Oh, thank you, Owl. And then, when I tune in even more, not to the specific physical being owl that I couldn't see anyway, <laughs> but to what's the, he, uh, well, let me say it a different way. The owl, in a sense, becomes a representative of the species or the collective consciousness of all owls. So instead of an owl, the owl, etc., which is the physical being, it's owl spirit. So when I tune in a little bit more, I tuned in a little bit more, there was another message which is being able to see in the dark, see in the darkness, see in the darkness of other people. And that was a very strong medicine as a therapist, you know, to be able to discern the shadows that somebody's carrying or is trying to bury in some way, to be aware of any shadows in myself. Um, those, excuse me, hiccups. <laughs> uh, the, um, so that's what Owl was conveying also is, you know, hey, heads up, dude. You know, there's something going on that's that's not real visible yet. And that comes from their capacity, the physical animal, to um, fly at night, you know, operate at night, you know, catch the mice and lunch and dinner, etc. during the night. Although, uh, in spite of what we come to believe, owls do fly during the day sometimes. But basically, we think of them as the night eagle. And I think that's a pretty appropriate name for um, the species owls so those were really neat messages you know and yes i did start singing more i started playing music more etc and i'm reminded in other ways uh, through other uh, messages that i receive you know to continue doing that you know it's it's uh 
it's a life positive kind of expression. Like I said, creative expression helps keep us sane, you know, in this craziness. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a, a powerful story. It makes me think of when Tamarack song was on a few episodes ago, he, you know, has worked with indigenous elders and done a lot of, you know, um, survivalist stuff and things like that, live with wolves and all kinds of wild stuff. And one of the things he talked about was nature speak and how he, when he would ask his elders a question, they would tell him to go ask the deer, tell him to go ask the owl, tell him to go ask yeah. the trees, go, go ask the rocks. And, you know, wherever we put our focus, we, we begin to contemplate. We don't think about our surroundings, right? Like you, you go and you label it in your mind and it's like nothing. Like, have you ever contemplated what a rock is? It's kind of a, seems like a silly idea, but when you do that, you're starting to unwrap information that is in your environment or you, you know, go to nature and say, you have this trauma and then you say, okay, go ask the deer for support. When you focus on the deer, you're just getting impressions and you're, and you're shooting your focus somewhere that you're not used to that's natural that is a part of creation where on the alternative you could go to the digital side you can go to these screens although you can't get good information from the screens and the television if you're looking at you know helpful information online or you could be just distracted and kind of disengaged from spirit and when you do when you're disengaged and as the stoics call it they call it dead time right you're just kind of vegged out you're not participating you know those emotions are coming from a, an artificial place, not from real life. So if you're out in the middle of nature and you hear some stuff in your tent and you get afraid, that's real life scaring the crap out of you, but at least yeah. it's, it's, it's real and you'll probably be fine. And so when we think about these concepts of engaging with life and being to being like nature speak and tuning into our surroundings more um, with all of the different things from the Oracle cards and the several books you've wrote and, and talking about ceremony, if a person is, wanting to use one of these tools in a practical way and they say okay i kind of dig it but i'm going about my daily life how do i begin to use some of these tools or incorporate these tools to you know help me with some of the challenges i'm having or liberate me so i have a more fill, uh, fulfilling experience yeah it, i simplest answer is pay attention <laughs> you know show up and pay attention to what's going on um i i was joking with my uh, two stepdaughters in 18 and 16 and the 18 year old was in the kitchen just last night, you know, doing uh, this. And I said, you know, wouldn't it be interesting in about 20 years from now that there'll be a lot of people walking around like this, you know, cause their necks are caught in that, <laughs> that uh, iPhone uh, posture, you know, of looking at the phone like this. And I think that's, you made reference to that earlier is how we get caught up, you know, in the, v in the devices, you know, that we have uh, it's such an electronic world right now that one encouragement I have is get outside. Yeah, go out. It doesn't matter. You can go in your backyard. You know, you can go to the local park. You can go, if you got uh, the woods or the bush nearby, you can go out there, you know, get outside, you know, when in doubt, get outside, you know, walk, walk barefoot if you can. I know it's cold, you know, at certain times of the year, both uh, Northern Southern depending, uh, but you can also, um, walk in leather soled shoes because there's something quite, uh, magical that happens and it's been supported by science and that is um, a, a thing called earthing and i'm diverting here but er if you've heard of it uh, it's basically that when you walk barefoot or leather sole shoes on mama M mother earth she gives freely antioxidants that clean up the oxidate uh, the oxidation that can occur from other things in your body 
Uh, it's a great gift. And that's, again, a whole nother topic. We could do a show on that. But I walk barefoot a lot, you know, um, on the ground. Concrete works OK. You know, if you're in the city, you can walk barefoot in the city or again, leather sole shoes because they don't um, they uh, rubber sole will tend to insulate, you know, from the antioxidant. So there's a little tip right there. Walk barefoot. Get outside, though. Get outside in the natural world and you start to touch into a deep, deep ancestral memory. You know, just pay attention, show up, show up, meaning be present. I'll give you a, for instance, just um, I live, uh, like I said, in a fairly suburban neighborhood. There's a nice park nearby and it's a great city to live in. I, I, I like living here and the park's just a few, um, oh, a few blocks away. It's not far at all. So the, I love going out at night when there's nobody else there and take my dog or dogs, the two dogs for a walk there. And I got to say, Matt, beyond philosophy, beyond um, concepts, beyond our mental thinking, uh, there's a, a place for pure experience. And that's where there's no words. I'm a writer, so I tend to narrate my <laughs> I tend to narrate my experiences almost in third person. Sometimes it's funny. Oh, look at this. I can't wait to write about this. There's the stars up there. And there's Orion. Oh, yeah. OK. You know, but to get that and turn it off and just be in that state of what a frigging miracle. To be alive. Just those moments to pause. I like to, uh, uh, like a teacher, a mentor of mine years ago called it awe. You know, that's probably the only word, or wow is another one, of just pausing for a moment, looking at the trees. Look at that big, in this area, the palm tree. God, it has to be like, uh, you know, 25 meters up in the sky. It's a long, long, you know, it's a big palm and the wind is blowing, the leaves are rustling. And I'm not trying to interpret or get a message or anything. I'm just in pure experience. Uh, I got that message uh, last night, you know, is the best I can is to find situations or when I'm in a situation is to really be fully present, you know, to be in pure experience. That's hard to do, you know, uh, you're an intelligent man, you know, your brain's probably working all the time, you know, like mine. <laughs> so to quiet the mind, you know, through whatever practices we can do and get out, get outside in nature, there's little miracles that we overlook. I think it's miraculous to look up in the sky and go, wow, look at the, look at the moon. What's going on here? We live on this big rock here. And there's another rock, a smaller one, that's apparently going around this rock. And what a miracle that is, just to witness something like that. I think ultimately, Matt, the work like um, that we do, I think, can lead us into having those experiences. And as we accumulate those experiences, they plant themselves in our memory. So we can call on that memory. Like when I start talking about this, I could feel a rush in my body. And it was like an echo of the actual experience. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so the body, the body maintains not just the mental memory, but more importantly, I think the physical memory, the sensations of what it's like to experience, to see that, to see that hummingbird, 
that flies right in front of your face and, and, and you hear yourself going, wait a minute, I just heard a podcast with Matt, with this guy Farmer, and he was talking about this. So they're, they're, that's unusual. It does happen. I've heard about three stories of people going through this. But what else is going on aside from, oh, that's cool, a little hummingbird? You know, and that's where we come in with spirit animals. Could it possibly be a spirit animal? And I would say, oh, yeah, definitely. So pay attention. And I can, again, I can comment on how you get, how do you, what do you do? How do you get the message? You know, what's the, what's the deal, you know, to get the message? Or if I wake up with a big dream, I mentioned earlier, like a, a fox. Okay, what's the message, the symbol of the animal? If I'm out listening to and I hear an owl or I see an owl, you know, fly overhead, which has happened, what's the message? So that's part two. <laughs> and that's part of what, again, I'm going to show this book because the publisher said I have to show the book, <laughs> is animals. That's part of what this is in my other, uh, my other works uh, about spirit animals is how do you discern the message? So we'll get to that, you know, it, 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 it's magical. I, I don't know any better way to say it than it's mystical and it's magical to really operate in this way. Yeah, right, that's, well, a, I, that's an exclamation right there. All right, the dogs are always, Stop. The dogs are always Stop. Uh, giving the message. Stop. Get out of here. Come in. Come here. Get out. You can't do that. Come here. I muted him. The dog wouldn't cooperate. I don't know if I can uh, unmute him on zoom with my power let's see here actually you can still hear me steven i muted you because you're a dog but you're welcome to come back in you know i was just going to comment on, i would love for you to talk a little bit about discerning it please please do and i just wanted to share a few things um you know the idea of like looking at life through awe, the eyes of awe and wonder they'll talk about looking at life through a children's eyes and now that i have one i i see that now and it reminds me each and every day of all these amazing things and uh, a friend of mine i went to go visit a friend of mine julian uh a couple of weeks ago and he's telling me this hilarious story about uh, being on mushrooms and that's the one thing about psychedelic is they help you remember this stuff so he's describing this story about being in this canoe and he's lying on the canoe and he's on mushrooms and he's hearing the orchestra no one's around and he's hearing the orchestra of everything and he's just describing in like vehement detail how the frogs carry everything together like he's like the loons are the the flashy ones they come in and they're the high beyonce sopranos and they're saying that and he's just describing this orchestra and because i've had both mystical experiences through meditation and I've had psychedelic experiences and I'm able through those it's training to learn to tune you in so I'm not advocating for or against those I just know that they can be used for a very positive mean to get that touch uh, of, of experience which is available all of the time so as he's experiencing I'm like bro I, I want to go sit there right now and listen and fully immerse in that uh you know, orchestra of nature. I'm like, I know exactly what you're saying. And as you do, I'm just kind of giggling to myself because it sounds so incredible. And I know exactly what he means. And, and you're immersive and you're a part of it. And it, it is miraculous and it's awe-inspiring. And we're kind of conditioned to go from, you know, this task mindset where we're going from task to task and everything in between is unimportant, right? So we miss the whole thing, but really life and all of these small details is 99% of it, how we walk through these daily experiences to each and every, um, you know, destination. It's like, if you're driving, 
from, you know, six hour drive, it's like, oh, none of that drive is uh, important, right? You might have time to, you know, cultivate a relationship or do some learning or see some beautiful things along the way. But I think we're conditioned to think, you know, we got to get to that next spot. That's where the fun is. That's, that's where life is, but it's nowhere else along the way. It's not the boring stuff. It's not the contemplative stuff. It's not the, you know, boredom. It's not the anything else. It's just those high times. And I think the idea of immersing ourselves more in each moment and having um, equal appreciation for whatever it is will be a more powerful perspective. And I'd love for you to um, touch a little bit on, you know, how do we engage and go a little bit further with these experiences and what we're having with the animals and you're still on mute, just so you know. So you got to click the bottom, your bottom left. There we go. Okay. Sorry about that. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, uh, the subjects you touch on, you know, are all of interest to me. I find it fascinating that now, um, people are working with psychedelics to do trauma recovery, you know, from post-traumatic stress disorder. And uh, that's an advent that has, um, I don't even know if it's legal or not, but there are people that are working with uh, soldiers that are still suffering from PTSD, etc. And again, guess what? It's a plant medicine. <laughs> it comes from the natural world, unlike, um, oh, LSD. I'm in a child of the 60s. I did my experimentation. I've done uh, plant medicine journeys uh, with ayahuasca and with uh, mushrooms. And you're right, it's a fascinating way of accessing this. But I've also had some amazing experiences with breath work, you know, using the breath to, to, to move into that altered state of consciousness that's right here, right now. It's not somewhere off in the distance. And you can do it without any of that, as you commented. Yes, you can do that go into the forest or to the park, put your feet on the earth and start breathing just real slowly. And that helps you bring yourself into presence, especially if you, I have a, uh, a breath pattern that I've been working with. And apparently uh, Andrew Weil is the one who developed this. A friend of mine told me, but I, I don't know where I came to it, but if you breathe in to a count of four, hold it for a count of seven, and then breathe out for a count of eight. What happens on the out breath in particularly when you do a more relaxed exhale versus a when you do a more relaxed exhalation, what happens? It opens you up. You become more receptive. So I want all your listeners to give that a try. You know, go outside and do some of that kind of breathing and just see what happens. Uh, it's a really wonderful tool, you know, and a reminder. I get I do um, I call them daily downloads. <laughs> You know, I'll write, I keep a journal and I write about what's going on, you know, just this is happening. And then I use that breathing to go into an altered state, basically, and really tune in to what um, basically the ancestors are the ones that that communicate. What are they saying to me? And I just, blah, blah, you know, write it out uh, as to what the message is. And I got to tell you, Matt, again and again and again. They say, and they did this this morning and said, breathe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Remember to breathe. So discerning the message to shift back to that, Matt. Um, basically, there's a couple of different ways that you can figure out the message of an animal. Let's say the examples, the hummingbird, the fox, owl, uh, coyote, whatever animal shows up in uh, physical form and or consciousness. I have a story about a coyote in the book 
the animals uh, book. Uh, it's pretty fascinating about deceit in my, you know, that he tuned me into. Uh, his message was pay attention to someone who's being deceitful. And I thought of somebody, I thought of three people and then phew, zeroed in on one. And he basically confirmed and said, that's the one. And I had to take care of some business around the deceit. That's a, a too, too long a story, but um, that was a wonderful message. So how did I get the message? Okay, there's, like I said, there's three, probably about three or four different ways. Let me tell you a couple of them. One, starting out with this, I think it's good to go ahead and pick up a book. It could be one of mine or there's other books out there that make suggestions as to what the meaning might be or the message might be. That's one thing. You can go to the internet. That's another way. That's an easy way. Type in coyote, spirit animal, hummingbird, spirit animal, etc., etc., And just see what comes up, you know. And what will happen, Matt, is that as you're reading, and this has happened, uh, I've had this happen as well. As you're reading the possible messages or meaning of one will jump out at you. I call it resonance. You know, it'll resonate with you. Go, okay, got it. You know, it's just that feeling of knowing. <laughs> okay, that's the message. So that's the second way. Go to the internet. A third way, Matt, is to uh, take the understand the characteristics of the animal. And again, you can look up the characteristics of hummingbird, coyote, owl, etc. And out of that, you make an you could say an analysis and deduce what the message is. Example would be characteristics of hummingbird. And I'm, I'm gonna, I don't mean to put you on a spot, but when you think of a hummingbird, what, what comes to mind? Just anything, free association. Uh, fun, powerful, um, creative, beautiful. All right, any of those or all of those could be the message. You know, one thing uh, characteristic of hummingbirds, which is unusual because there's no other bird that does this, apparently, they can fly backwards. They can fly different ways. So where I go with that is another one to add to what you said is flexibility. You know, I have to, I'm, it's a period of time that hummingbird came to me. Okay, I've got to be flexible. You know, I've got to be able to move quickly and I might even have to back up a little bit. And that's, that's the metaphor from the characteristics of the bird. The fun, like you said, fun, light, lighten up, have some fun, you know, maybe the message. And any of those can be, um, speak to me in a way that resonates. You know, I can feel it in my body. I point to my heart because that's often the start of it. You know, you get a connection there. Uh, lighten up, you know, the little birds, they're, they're so light. Um, they, I, I, I say to people, you cannot not smile when you see that little hummingbird, you know, doing this. It's just like fun, like you said, you know, creativity. So any of those might be the message by studying or understanding the characteristics or what you did, Matt, and thanks for playing. Uh, just so what comes to mind? You know, what comes to mind? Just like that. And then be able to tune in onto any any or all of those to see which one really clicks or resonates, or maybe they all do. And that's the message. That's the guidance, you know, from this little tiny being that's a sales rep, you know, for the collective consciousness of hummingbirds. So that, that's three. Number four, and this is where it gets fun. 
ask the spirit of that particular animal. Here's how you do it. Coyote, what's the message? Close your eyes. And then once you've put the question out telepathically to the spirit of the coyote that showed up in the dark, listen with your ears, <laughs> pay attention to what you're, you, with your eyes, what you see, and what your sensations are in your body. And the hearing could be internal, the inner voice. That's how I often get messages, Matt. It could be something that uh, somebody comes along and says something and I'm going, oh, that comes right after I've asked coyote spirit what the message is, or owl spirit or hummingbird spirit. Uh, it could be inner voice, internal or external. Um, it could be inner vision, the mind's eye, or it could be something I see out here. I'm directed to pay attention or my, my vision goes in a certain direction and that becomes the message or part of the message. And the third one is sensations in, in your body. You know, maybe I get a tightness in my stomach and I hear the message, relax your gut. Or I might hear the message, pay attention to your gut feelings, your body. You know, what's your body saying to you? So the last thing I want to say about that is often uh, people are a little bit more likely to rely on one of those three, you know, sensations, hearing, or vision. And when you combine it with um, sensations in the body and your thought processes, that adds a dimension too, intuition, which uh, to the best of my understanding of all this, it really is a combination of sensations and your thought processes, cognitive. So those are the ways that you can start discerning what the messages are. I would suggest, yeah, start with the internet or books, but experiment you know, with asking the spirit animal what the message is. And I think you're going to have a lot of fun. And as I've said, you know, we need all the guidance we can get, whether spirits of nature, archangels, ancestors, etc. But animals, they're around us all the time, symbolically or physically. So they're very accessible. And that's, the con that's a convenience for what we're talking about here. I love that. I think that's amazing. And, you know, when we wake up and we learn to see all life communicating with us, if we're struggling with something or we want an answer to something, we can send out the prayer and say, you know, please give me guidance on this issue. Please give me guidance yep. on that. And then as the animals come in or, or life comes in, um, you know, you sit and reflect and contemplate on what's happening. And that's going to open up the doors to perception for you to receive the answers you need or the inputs, right? I like one of the ideas that uh, prayer is talking to God and meditation is listening, but you could also say presence would be listening. All the things that life is bringing to you, and then you contemplate and you think about them when these, you know, sometimes they're a little bit weird uh, things, right? And we always like kind of shrug them off, or, you know, there's, it's just, we're not paying attention. Oh, there's this, you know, flock of birds, you know, doing something really interesting. And then just take a moment to see what impressions come. And it's in that silence and learning to take a step back that you step off the hamster wheel. That's just this buzz in your head that has no time to think, no time to receive 
any input from nature, spirit, God, the universe, animals, whatever that's trying to communicate. So those pauses are super necessary with the intent. And when we're learning to do those things as a way to uh, live and operate in this realm, we're going to receive a lot more guidance because we're opening up to that guidance. We're kind of checking in. It's like if you're going on a, a trail map or you're on the ocean, you're constantly checking your headings and things like that. And we can do that as a process through, you know, intention and what we put out and then reflecting on what we see back, what we receive back. And then we apply our will and choice. So, okay, now that I have this new information, I'm going to go do an action from my free will and see what else response I get and learn to kind of interact with the environment in a new way. So I think it's just a really powerful process, whichever way you want to go about it. Yeah. Well stated, Matt. Um, I appreciate your, your comment because that's true. I like what you said about putting your intention out there to receive a message, you know, and then again, as I mentioned earlier, pay attention, show up, pay attention, you know, see what goes on, see what happens, you know, look beyond the veil, you know, the veil that, that we tend to, uh, the various ways we tend to cover that or forget it, or we're a forgetful species, you know, let's face it, you know, we've forgotten who we really are. Uh, I had a very um, wonderful man, uh, the good fortune to work with him. I actually went in at a time in my life, um, one of those cycles of coming out of a, a period of being broken, <laughs> you know, which is uh, sometimes I tag myself as the wounded healer. That's a, a phrase that came up, I think, in the 80s or something like that. And I went, oh, yeah, it makes sense. A lot of us who do the healing work, you know, have had to experience the wounds, you know, and the suffering. Suffering is part of the deal. You know, but anyway, I had this wonderful man, uh, Paul Fairweather. What a great name, too. Paul Fairweather, uh, who, uh, God bless him, and thank you, Paul. Um, he once said to me in the midst of, and it, really, it wasn't really therapy. We just have conversations, you know, and it was an older man, a mentor, that uh, I remember once he stopped me when I said, I can't pay you today, I have to pay you next week. And he just said, you know, with this fierce look on his face, you know, he because he always looked kind of fierce, you know, uh, loving but fierce. And he said, that's okay, Stephen. I believe in you. Oh, what a blessing that was to have a, an elder, <laughs> you know, really believe it, uh, in me at a time of recovery. Anyway, the other piece that he said, um, one time he just launched and he would have a tendency to do that. And he'd say, you know, Stephen... All this stuff that we do, the therapy and the encounter trainings and the classes and the workshops and all that, I think it's just to help us remember who we really are. And I've always remembered that. You know, we've forgotten who we really are. Fortunately, we have like uh, people like yourself, and I will include myself in that, and other teachers, people that are putting the word out, that there's another dimension to deal with here. And that dimension is that relatedness to all beings that we're part of the puzzle, you know, part of the makeup, but we're not, we think we're the dominant species, but take a look at what's happening, <laughs> you know, and a lot of it, not all of it necessarily, but are the result of eight and a half billion people living on a, a planet that could accommodate um, maybe a billion comfortably. So we'll see where it goes. You know, again, when it brings it down to individual cases, this is another reason it's important to find ways to receive guidance from spirit or God, if you prefer. I'm it doesn't matter. The word doesn't matter. It's the meaning and the, the essence of that word spirit. 
I like spirit or great spirit, you know, it, that it's everything. But great spirit speaks to us through intermediaries. There's some African communities that they believe you can't speak to the creator directly. It's too much. So they speak to the ancestors as intermediary, intermediaries to the creator. And so then the ancestor conveys the message through various means, such as what we're talking about here. So yeah, say your intention, get outside. When in doubt, get outside, get off your phone, leave your phone. Oh my God, leave your phone. Oh my God. You know, I've been there too. Don't get me wrong. I'm not just <laughs> saying that about other people, you know, oh, where's my phone? You know, I get that instant hit. Like suddenly we become, become adopted by smartphones. <laughs> Do we control them? Maybe. Try it. Leave your phone at home sometime. Go out for a walk. See what happens. You know, just watch your wiggles inside. <laughs> and like I said, I've experienced it. I know what that's like. And then I, I override that and say, it's okay. Not the end of the world. Come on. Nothing that important is going to be going on unless it's an explosion somewhere near the house. You know, <laughs> something like that. Anyway, I'm rattling on and on. But... Um, so forgive me for that. But back to the topic, uh, I want to uh, say something about the book again, if I may, uh, Matt. Uh, and that is, um, again, I'm, I'm the featured author, which I've contributed the information like what I've been speaking about here, uh, the front and the back pages, etc. But the bulk of that is just these, and I really honor these people that have submitted stories of actual encounters. Uh, there's... Um, I'll tell you one story that just, it was the first story in the book, really, or the second story in the book. And it's by um, a contributor named Laura Rowley, who is, uh, this is another aspect of uh, working with animals, animal communicator. There are people, and I, I don't pretend to be, I do okay, but I'm not a, I don't profess to be an animal communicator. These are people that can tune into animals and get the messages from, directly from the animal, not the spirit animal, but the animal. And spirit the spirit of the animals involved but it's much more direct in that way okay the dog um uh, tune into the dog and you go oh he's hungry <clears throat> you know he's giving you um signals that he's hungry but these people have developed this to the point where like Ra laura she's got a whole practice of animal communication so um briefly the story and I, i'm not going to ruin it for anybody who reads it because it brought tears to my eyes is she gets called to attend to tend to a horse that was going to be euthanized. And the vet was there, the owner was there, etc. And as she tuned in, the horse had a huge tumor on it, on, on its body. So she tuned in, and what she heard was something very interesting and unexpected. She heard the horse communicate, I took it from her. I took it from her? Okay. Um, little more and the horse kept repeating i took it from her okay and then she discovered from the owner of the horse um well the owner that her daughter a 15 year old daughter had a brain tumor and what they found is that the brain tumor was miraculously healed it was gone the horse had taken on the tumor and sacrificed his life. It makes me, makes me emotional just to recall that, you know, body memory. The horse sacrificed his life out of his love 
animal love for this girl who was <clears throat> was his companion, rode her a lot, took care of her, took care of him a lot, etc. And the girl was cured. That's a true story, by the way. It's not made up. It's maybe a little oblique about spirit animals, but I get the point, you know, is there something that was communicated between animal and human? And it was an astounding miracle. Now that's a big miracle. <laughs> that's a real big miracle. I took it from her. Isn't that an amazing story? Yeah. Wow. That's, that's beautiful. And I think everything that you shared is just really powerful. It just summarizes again, paying attention to our world and how you, also reflect we're taught to go do and in the environment but we're not talking we don't do a lot of reflection i feel like that's where we can understand ourselves a little bit more understand our environment a little bit more make a little bit better choices reflect on the choices that we make that didn't have the outcomes we wanted you know also known as sometimes failures or misses which are okay so with the reflection comes the understanding um this has all been beautiful i wish we had a little bit more time um is there anything that you wish that I had asked or that you want to leave the listeners with and make sure you tell everybody uh, where they can find you if they want to get the book and learn more and, and check out some of the other stuff that you're putting out there. Uh, sure. Um, it's dr. drstephenfarmer.com. You can go to the website <clears throat> and then rather going through uh, like a lot of my publications and stuff, you can go to the website and find out there. Uh, you can purchase the book or books or oracle cards. I've got a new oracle card deck that's kind of interesting, messages from the ancestors. Uh, you can purchase any of those from my website or Amazon. It's available uh, both in Canada, the US, and apparently internationally from what I've heard. And I think that's true. Um, I think that, um, gosh, I don't think there's one single message, Matt, that I'd want to convey. I think a lot of the information that we've discussed, including your comments, I think have been really valuable as well. Um, back to this, pay attention, you know, show up as much as you can, dance, sing, write poetry, do something creative, you know, with the angst or the fear that you might be feeling, if in fact that, that suits you. Also, when you go to the supermarket, mask or no mask, um, and you purchase something, smile. Like one of somebody I con commented about that, I said, oh, I can't see a smile. And she said, oh, I smile with my eyes. And people do. Watch. Smile with the eyes. Smile at them. You know, bring a smile. A little, even though if your mask is on or, or off, but a little smile. Just a, I call it dolphin smile. Or Mantak Chia, a great teacher, uh, <laughs> said, smile as if you have a happy little secret. And it's... <laughs> It's infectious in the best sense of the word. <laughs> it affects other people. Bring something into the environment that's different than what we're dealing with and what we have to face day-to-day -day basis. And it's crazy. It's just crazy. But let's not let's not mingle with the craziness. You know, if you're an activist, then be an activist. You know, like uh, in support of what you described, the convoy. Be an activist. If it's more about prayer, contemplation, meditation, bringing a peacefulness to the world, let that be your mission then. Now, get to know your purpose. Make one up if you're not sure. And you're going to find it's probably true, whatever you made up. Anyway, just pay attention. Show up. Pay attention. Speak your truth. And see what happens. That's my message.
I love it. Well, you know, I really enjoyed this uh, episode and your um, website has got a lot of different things on it. So the animal side of it is just one thing, but the Oracle, it's all the prompts of how we kind of understand ourselves, understand spirituality and understand the world and anything in that direction, I feel is very valuable. So thanks so much for coming on the show. I invite everybody to check out the website and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll stay connected. All right. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you for the work you're doing in the world too. Appreciate oh, my it. My pleasure. I appreciate it. Okay, guys, have a wonderful day. Peace. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely phenomenal Dr. Stephen Farmer. I hope that you enjoyed that show. And if you did, please share it far and wide. Consider leaving a review in iTunes. Follow me on Telegram and TikTok and uh, join the email list. If you want to support the show, you can go to mattbelair.com as well and become a member by donation. But uh, just appreciate your time and your attention. Really hope that you enjoyed this show. Um, if you guys want to contact me for anything in in particular as far as who I should interview or you have questions about coaching and the quantum heart hypnosis, soul compass or things like that, just uh, hit me up at matt at zenathlete.com. Absolutely love hearing from you guys. So uh, yeah, so that's how easy it is. Just send me an email. Uh, Telegram's the best way to find the information because it's the least censored. So go to t.me forward slash Matt Belair. And that's it. Uh, just thank you so much for listening. And let's come into peace and coherence uh, before we close the show. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, power, faith, courage, inner knowing, peace. And get ready to enjoy the rest of your day. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.